Feeling better? Looking better? Making life better? It's Life Tips. Life, life, life. We'll explore the latest innovations, introduce you to the latest products, and bring you the tips from experts and environmental pioneers to help you lead a better life. Life, life, tips. life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Here are your hosts. Welcome back to the Life Tips Show, everyone. I'm here with Hugh Byrne. Hugh, welcome. I'm glad to be with you. Yes, indeed. Your book is hot off the press, The Here and Now of Habits. Tell us a little bit about your interest in habits, or for your, or shall I say your habitual interest in habits, which is probably <laughs> the case. <laughs> it's... Um, you know, it's, a, it, it's an interest that's grown particularly in the last few years. I've been practicing meditation for, you know, many years, um, more, more than 25 years. And, um, and yet I could continue to see patterns come up um, of things that I did and reactions I had to things that I didn't really want to be doing, but I would still do them. And so I began reading more and more about the science of habits and what goes on in the brain when a habit forms. And um, as I explored the, the theme, you know, which is one that we're all interested in in one way or another, I think we all have things that we do that we'd like to change that are habitual kind of patterns. Um, and more and more it became clear that a key to transforming habits, to changing unhealthy ones and developing more healthy ones, is awareness, is mindfulness, is bringing what is unconscious and automatic into awareness. And then when we do that, we can make choices. So that was, it was out of my own experience and working with others, you know, who are, who, a lot of whose challenges or problems were habitual in nature, that I came to write the book, um, seeing the, the benefits of bringing mindfulness to, uh, to transforming habits. Before we get into mindfulness, I'd like to ask you a little bit about humans. And I really yeah. believe we are creatures of habits, if you will. And perhaps that roots back to our, our, our uh, Darwinian theory of evolution and how we migrated through our journey in life. But yeah. why do we feel comfortable with our habits? Why don't we want to break them would be another way to say that. But what is it about habits that we just keep gravitating back towards? Well, that's, I mean, that's the, the $64,000 question because that's what makes habits so challenging at times to change when we want to change them. You see, what happens, what the, the current, the latest science shows is that habits, anything can become a habit if it's repeated often enough under consistent conditions. You know, you're feeling the same way or you're in the same place or you're with the same people. And it's the consistent repetition of behavior, and it could be external behaviors, but it could also be the way we think about things. Those can be habits as well, that we do things often enough. What the brain does, and it's completely, as you say, to do with evolution, the brain assigns once we've done things often enough, the brain says, you know, I mean, metaphorically, the brain says, hey, when this happens, then I do this. 
And so rather than it being something we have to think through each time, the brain makes it automatic. It assigns that action or that thought process to these faster acting brain processes. So it's like it sets us on this autobahn where, you know, the conditions arise and then boom. It could be a good habit. It could be something healthy like getting in the car and putting on a seatbelt. We do that often enough. Then we don't have to think about it each time. But what happens when we develop unhealthy habits is the brain does the same thing. You know, whether it's eating ice cream or taking drugs or over, over, overdoing alcohol, we do it often enough. The brain, you know, makes it into an automatic behavior. You know, under certain conditions, I do this. When it gets to be 11 o'clock at night, I switch on the TV, I have a beer, I have a bowl of ice cream. You know, whatever it is, we do that. Um, and then it becomes difficult to change because our intentions are much more slow moving. So our more slow moving part of the brain is competing against the fast moving part of the brain and the fast moving part, you know, process tends to win out. I could say a lot more, but I, I don't want to just keep on talking about it. But that's kind of the essence of the of what's going on in the brain. Terrific. Do we have some sense of enjoyment when we exercise habitual behavior? Is enjoyment a prerequisite or what else is happening when we exercise these? Perhaps superstition. I'd like to ask you about that. Mm -hmm. um, enjoyment is often a key part of it because there's some reward, not for every habit, but for many habits, there's, there's a reward that we get. You know, and it, it, the reward is in dopamine, the release of these very positive chemicals. And, you know, like when you take a drug or, you know, when you have a very pleasant thing happens, we get that reward. So that can be the, the encouragement to keep doing things. Um, and that kind of sets the, the, the process in motion. But then after a while, it's not, you know, the, the, the amount of reward may be less and less. You know, like with taking a drug, for example, you know, at first it feels very pleasant, but after a while we need it just to feel everyday kind of comfort. So, um, so enjoyment often has a, is a key part of it, but it's any process that feels like it's helpful to us. In some way, it might be providing comfort if we're, if we're feeling anxious or worried that we do something and we do it a few times and it feels good. You know, I think about feeling anxious or lonely and having a bowl of ice cream, you know, and, and once that reward gets set in that, and the feeling, the, the, the feeling of comfort set in, then after a while, we do it often enough, it becomes automatic, it becomes habitual. So you were asking about, um, about superstition. What, what, what's your thought about, um, about that and habit? Uh, it's a good question. I don't have any answers. That's why you're on the line. But what, what I do have is a lot more questions. And one is, why don't we habitually do more things that help us advance and make our life better? I mean, we're smart people, right? Yeah. Why don't we realize that, oh my gosh, I did something that's amazing. That's going to help me in my career, help me in our business. I should do more of that. That was incredibly awesome. I think that, I mean, it's, that is a really great question. And I think in order to take advantage of those 
healthy, beneficial habits, the things that we've done, we have to bring them into awareness. We have to acknowledge, oh, yeah, this is really good. And then we have to keep, it it requires awareness to say, okay, this is a helpful thing. This will enhance my life. This will be a benefit. I'm going to keep doing this. I'm going to do this and, you know, and, and, and it'll have an ongoing positive effect um, on me. Um, but we take a lot of things for granted. We tend to focus a lot on the negative, um, of, you know, because for evolutionary re- reasons, you know, we've, we've evolved, um, you know, with a lot of emphasis on what's going to help us survive and what's going to help us, you know, pass on our genes and not get eaten by a, you know, wild animal or whatever. So there's a lot of focus on the negative. We tend not to focus so much on what will enhance our well-being. And I think that the awareness, mindfulness is a key to cultivating and developing those areas for us that, um, that, do, that do enhance well-being and happiness. I read somewhere that we typically have about 60,000 thoughts a day. I was actually in a yoga class. That's where I remembered. I I just heard Mm -hmm. that a couple weeks ago. My yoga instructor was mentioning that. And um, uh, do you think that there's a part of the brain that might actually rest and relax and not have to think so much when we exercise our habits? We're hyper-focusing on those habits and we're not – our mind is not wandering in its normal capacity to make decisions. Do I take a left turn? Do I take a right turn? Do I do I have breakfast? Do I not have breakfast? Do I, you know, all of these just processes, our brain processes. When we land on a habit, maybe we're resting our brain. Do you think that that's We possible? are definitely, yeah, we are definitely resting our brain. We're not going through the intentional processes that do take more energy. They take more yes. energy. and. Right. You know, the, um, Charles Duhigg, who wrote the best-selling The Power of Habit, he talks about how evolution, through evolution, we've, um, we've, our brains have made certain actions habitual, and that's allowed our brain actually to be smaller than it would otherwise be. And he talks about, you know, we'd have to have a hugely much bigger brain with more women and children dying in childbirth if we were to be you know, be thinking all the time, you know, of intending, shall I put on my seatbelt? Shall I do this? Uh, So it actually is an efficient thing. It saves energy. mm -hmm. It requires, it lets us have a smaller brain, which has helped, you know, the the species to survive. Mm -hmm. And so um, there is, in that sense, there is a, there is an evolutionary benefit, obviously, to habit. But then there's also these costs that I talk a lot about of, you know, when we have habits that don't help us. And, you know, what the, what the research studies show is that if you just sat people down for 10 or 15 minutes and you didn't ask them to meditate or anything, you just said, you know, just relax, chill out, take it easy. What the, what the researchers have found is that our brain defaults to ruminating, to planning the future, to thinking about the past, to comparing ourselves to other others so we're actually not in a resting place even though that's kind of in theory what we're doing the brain is still ticking over this is kind of a different element than than I I spoke about before um but in order 
not to and the other thing to say about when we're in that mode that kind of default mode is it's mostly um associated with negative feelings we're not feeling great we're feeling more stressed more worried more anxious more tight when we're in, when we're in that mode but we also have a mode and this is where attention and mindfulness comes in where we where we're aware of our experience we're aware of our bodies we're aware of our breath or our emotions or our thoughts we're not lost in thought and that is more associated with well-being so it actually is helpful for us to come out of that kind of ruminating mode and just to come be aware of our direct present moment experience feel the breeze on our face feel our seat on the chair feel you know our uh, the tightness in our stomach or whatever it is um so so awareness is a key to living more more healthily in that way let's take a break everyone back in just a minute with some more great discussion life tips will be right back after this short break Are you paying too much for your paid advertising or have you quit altogether because it seemed like a huge waste of money? Studies show that companies waste 25% of their PPC spend on average. The web marketing experts at wmetraining.com can show you how to make your AdWords account a lean, mean converting machine. Whether you're just starting out or want to take your skills to the next level, we have a class for you. Contact the web marketing experts at wmetraining.com. Whether you are an online business or domain name investor, you need access to the best names. With over 270 million domains already registered, finding the right names at the best price requires a great wingman. Namejet.com puts you in the pilot seat by giving you fast and unparalleled access to some of the best premium and expired domain names on earth. As the number one domain name auction platform, Namejet.com is the best place to find domains for your business or investments. So light the afterburners to the domain name aftermarket and fly over to Namejet.com at mock speed to get great domains today. Namejet.com. Great websites today need expert web design and development and need to be e-commerce ready and mobile friendly. But building a marketable and profitable website can be an uphill climb. Ready to make your new website or replace your existing website? Think Orange as the new way to get in the black. Orange Hill Development works with Fortune 500 companies and offer the same top quality development service at a fraction of what other providers charge. Brands like Absolute, Carlsberg, and Nestle trust Orange Hill Development. Find out why you should trust your website with Orange Hill. Contact Orange Hill for a consultation today at orangehilldevelopment.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PPC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. And now back to Life Tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, and wiser. Here are your hosts. 
Welcome back, Hugh. Great having you on today. Great to be on. Thank you, Byron. Is there a sense of insecurity that might propel our habits? For example, this feeling that if I don't go through my routine that I always go through when I go to the office, then I might lose my job. I think that um, anxiety, insecurity, fear underpins a lot of our habits, not all of our habits. You know, some of the habits of like if we have a habit of eating, you know, too much or, you know, in an unconscious way, that may not be insecurity. It may be some other motivation. But there's a kind of habit that I talk about in the book, which is a habit of doing, you know, kind of being on our way somewhere, leaning into the future, checking off our to-do list. And I think that kind of habit is very much motivated by our underlying fears. The fears like, yeah, something will go wrong if I'm not constantly checking, you know, have I done everything I should have done? You know, an underlying sense of fear that, you know, that, that whether it's losing our job or, you know, people not liking us or judging us or whatever. So what's really important is to get below the action itself and to allow ourselves to feel what we're feeling. If we can let ourselves feel the anxiety, feel it in our bodies, open to it, see that it comes for a while and it doesn't last forever, then we can just we can ride the waves of the difficult feelings. We can see feel them come and go, and we cannot be so imprisoned by those habits. When we're caught up in the habit, like that kind of habit of to do, you know, constantly on the way, doing things, frenetic activity, then we're, it's like we're in a story rather than in our direct experience. So I do think that those, that those feelings and those emotions underpin some of our most challenging and difficult habits. Do you think that, that in your reading and conclusion, of course, reference to the wonderful book, Seven Habits of Highly Effective People, do you think that there are habits that are aligned with with uh, effective people, which, by the way, is an odd choice of words, effective as opposed to ineffective. Like, do you know anybody that's ineffective? You're an ineffective person. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's an odd title. I always sort of remember that uh, in, in reading that book. But but mm-hmm. what's your what's your what's your study of this? Are there are there people that are can connect what they do very simply better than others? with the outcomes of what they do? I think, I mean, in, in my book, I talk about sort of key qualities or attitudes that probably, that I think, overlap with some of the, the books on, you know, what, what is, you know, what, what qualities are effective. But, um, you know, a quality that, um, that I think is really important or an attitude I think is really important is... Um, is kindness, self-compassion, you know, not beating yourself up, not judging yourself, but it just acknowledging, you know, that you, all of us are human, we have our strengths and our limitations, and if we come from that place of kindness to ourselves, that is a very strong kind of ground to meet the world from. Another Another important one is uh, curiosity, is really interest in um, 
in what we're doing, interest in the world. You know, I think people who are effective, people who create things, you couldn't do it if you weren't interested, if you had a kind of habitual way of thinking about people, oh, they're always like this, or I'm always like this, or nothing's going to change. Mm-hmm. If you don't believe in the possibility of things happening, of, of change happening, you're never going to be able to make change. So I think curiosity is a tremendously important uh, quality um, to have. I think... Um, non judgment you know of being not judging ourselves not judging other people mm-hmm. um but really seeing the humanity in all of us yes some people you know some people might be ineffective some people might be unkind you know they might uh, cause a lot of harm in the world um but even then if you if you if we really take a step back that harm that they're causing is coming from their own place of pain and their own suffering and if we can be spacious enough to to appreciate that then we can understand them more fully you might think of you know your favorite political candidate to dislike you know whoever that might be you know you think you know you might feel a lot of animosity towards them but if you step back and think how did this person come to be who they are today then more space opens up and more possibilities open to talk to people, engage with people who don't necessarily think like you do. That's not to say everybody is going to change or they're going to turn around and become, you know, Mother Teresa or whoever it might be. But um, but I think those are some qualities. I think, you know, I mean, there's a lot of others as well. I think that I think a sense of determination and drive is helpful. But even that is not has to be balanced. You know, it has to be you know, if it's not going to cause harm, it has to be um, relating to, you know, what's the good, what's in in my interest, but what's in the interests of others as well. There's many qualities. I think we could talk for a good while about some of these qualities, but I talk about some of them in 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 the book, and those are some that um, that that strike me as important. How does DNA affect habits in your mind? That's a great question. I think um, I think there's more studies um, need to need to be done on you know what 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 we're born with. I think my my best understanding is that our what we inherit with our DNA from our parents and ancestors, our proclivities, our tendencies, you know that are often um, some of them may be latent that get um, acted on by our environment. So it's a mixture of, you know, they talk about nature and nurture. It's a mix, mixture of what we what we inherit from our ancestors and the environment that we that we grow up in and the love that we get from our parents and caregivers and all of those things and and our community. Um I think it's a complex relationship. You know, I think um, you know, we might have, you know, we, I think it's quite likely we inherit as, you know, with certain um, emotional conditions, certain mental conditions, you know, can be inherited. Um, you know, if we might, uh, we might have um, um, ADHD and, and that might be passed on. And so that would be, you know, a habit that we, you know, is 
you know, partly from our from our you know our ancestors, partly from our parents, partly from our environment, and um, we still have choices, you know, of, of how we respond. We may be, you know, pushed in one direction pretty strongly, but we still almost always have some choice about how we respond to. The, the conditions or the situation. We might be brought up in a family. Maybe there's a lot of worry, a lot of fear, a lot of anxiety that we've inherited. And those qualities may be very strong in us. We may grow up with them. But with awareness, we can bring attention to them and actually transform those habits and patterns by, by seeing that they're not you know, they're not essentially part of who we are so much as um, choices that we've made about how we respond to conditions. So I see it more as people, there can be a lot of weight put it, pushing us or energy pushing us in a particular direction, but we still have that choice of how we meet this moment, how we respond to the fear or the worry that's here right now. What do I do with that? Do I breathe into it and open to it or do I act it out by doing something or you know taking a drink or taking a drug or t trying to numb it out I want your take on this because I think it's a, an interesting point your book of course is entitled uh, the here and now of uh, uh, here and now habit but you your subtitle is how mindfulness can help you break unhealthy habits once and for all when I think of mindfulness, I sort of think of me, but when I think of empathy, I think of you. I'm wondering if you would concur in, in your thoughts on this concept of how empathy can help you break unhealthy habits once and for all, empathy being the focus of your ability to understand and share the feelings of others. And I wonder if, if empathy is, in your mind, a driver for changing habit as much, perhaps, as just general mindfulness. Yeah, I mean, I think what we'd need to get into is, you know, what do we mean by mindfulness? You know, I, if I were to define mindfulness, I'd say, you know, in a broad sense, we're bringing conscious awareness to our present moment experience. And I think involved in that is an intention. We're doing it consciously with a motivation. We're intentionally being aware of our experience. We're focusing on what we're on the present moment's experience. And if we're looking at habits, we're focusing on, you know, w what am I aware of? How am I feeling it in my body? What are my thoughts about what's going on? And, um, and we're doing that, we're bringing awareness to our experience in a particular way. And some of the qualities that I think are essential to being present for our experience are kindness, acceptance, curiosity, of just opening to this moment as it is without judgment and with kindness. So for me, built into mindfulness is a quality of kindness, of compassion, of, of empathy, of kindness from, for oneself, but also um, at, for others as well, because as we open up to our experience, we see it's not like just about me. You know, it's about I'm part of all of this life. I'm connected with everything else in this life, in this world. And so the more I open fully to my experience in a wholehearted way, 
in a non-judging way, the more I do connect with others, with their suffering, with their joys. So I think what the way I would see it is that they're really kind of, in a way, they're two sides of the same coin. You know, they're not so much counterposed to each other. Mindfulness is, is me and empathy is you. So much as the more we open fully to our experience, the more we connect with others and with life. That mindfulness does lead to empathy and empathy has to incorporate mindfulness. You know what I mean? If we're going to be, I don't think we can be empathic without also being fully, you know, pretty present with our experience. Does that make sense? It does. It does. One more doozer for you, and then we'll <laughs> one more challenging question, and then we'll uh-huh. we'll ask you a couple. But how important do you think laughing is? Laughing at yourself, by the way, uh, more specifically, um, to reflect upon your thinking and your ways and your mindfulness. How how critical is that to understand the self? It's a, I, I think laughing, humor, smiling, I think it's, it's really important. I think one thing, you know, even just talking about smiling first, smiling kind of shifts us out of the more tight, what's called fight or flight mode, where we're in a kind of tunnel vision. We smile, we bring, we come back into a kind of more relaxed mode. So it opens space. It opens space in our experience, so we're not in that tight place that leads tends to lead us more down towards unhealthy habits. Laughter, humor, I think is really kind of it, it punctures the the illusion of it can puncture the illusion of a, a separate self, you know, that we can get caught up in a very tight identification with our experience and humor just kind of opens space around it it allows us to see the bigger picture of things you know it's almost like you know when you have sometimes you have a a, a deep realization about your life you know and it can be it, it can come with a great kind of sense of 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 laughter and humor it's almost like you've understood a cosmic joke mm-hmm. you've understood that that we get to- so tied up in the minutia of our experience and the details and the and the the kind of stresses and strains of our lives that we that we lose contact with the the beauty and the joy of life and there's a kind of humor that a laughter that can come when we realize that and it can be there can be a kind of a, a kind of a feeling of what we're missing as well when we're when we're caught up in that tight place but also a sense of oh i get the joke now do you know what I mean? That mm-hmm, that, yeah. that that it's it's as though we've we had there's been a joke we've been missing, and then we suddenly get it, and it's like oh, like when somebody you know you really get a joke that's funny. It's like oh yeah, that's you know, and you kind of like things you know, kind of like the you 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 break out into laughter. Um, so I think it's tremendously important. It's a it's a you know it allows us really to um, to to open to our life much more fully i think i it's a huge part of my life um you know and my teaching i think you know just that, that kind of sense of joy and laughter hugh two final questions who would you like to get a hold of you and how can they get a hold of you um 
I, I would like to get a, get a hold of me, anyone who's interested in this theme. Is that the kind of that the question you're yeah, asking? Like, absolutely, yeah, absolutely, sure. A, anyone who's interested in, the theme, in, in cultivating, deepening mindfulness in their life, and anyone who's interested in transforming habits and the way mindfulness can uh, help us change unhealthy patterns and develop more beneficial ways of living in the world. So really, this, the message of the book is for everybody. I don't think there's anybody. Maybe there's a few people who've attained that level of you know, freedom that they don't need to let go of habits. But most of us, almost all of us do. And um, I can be reached. My website is hugh-byrne.com, hugh-byrne.com. And... Um, people can find you know the book there and uh, get access to it there and be in contact with me Hugh it's been a pleasure having you on the show today thanks so much thanks so much it's been a it's been a, uh, really good to speak with you this afternoon indeed thanks, thanks for tuning in everyone we'll see you next week thanks for making your I hope we made your life smarter better faster and wiser and more in tune with your habits thanks for tuning in we'll see you next week The opinions expressed are those of the hosts and their guests and do not necessarily reflect those of the staff and management of Cranberry News Marketing and Cranberry.fm. Rebroadcasts or retransmission of this content without proper consent is prohibited. 